What's up, party people? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Find Asia, co-host of the Main Channel Podcast and the host of the Source Find Asia YouTube channel. Uh, just getting ready to go to the bank, then go to the gym. I don't know if you guys know, but I am definitely going to have some videos about this. I've been doing Muay Thai for the past two months in the Philippines. It's been one of the most difficult things I've done, but one of the best things I've done in terms of, um, actually goes to the theme of this podcast in terms of health and wellness. And speaking of that, our guest this episode is Madison Ashley. She is a entrepreneur in Hong Kong and she's involved, her main business is she's involved in a corporate wellness company uh, where she does training. Um, she goes into sort of firms in Hong Kong and helps them, you know, come up from, uh, uh, come up with training from a wellness, like a mental wellness perspective and also physical wellness perspective. And um, she's also a yoga instructor, which I think was part of, uh, part of you know, all of this, how she got into this business. And she's very much into, you know, spirituality and things like that. And for me, um, that's something that ironically, I've started to think about from my company in terms of how do we keep people happy, especially when you have employees that you have been working for you for like three years. It's like, how do you keep people motivated? How do you make sure that they're not just satisfied from a work aspect, but also in their sort of health and, and mental health and physical health and stuff like that. So uh, definitely was good to talk to her about this. Also, I, 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 I haven't said it really on the podcast itself, but I, I've definitely had conversations internally with my friends and um, with our marketing intern and team. It's just like we need to, I wanted to have more women entrepreneurs on the podcast. Like I, I wanted to make a more conscientious effort to do it. And it's not like, I think when it comes to equality, because I talk about that with my friends, it's a big theme that I talk about is like, I, I believe in, in true equality and stuff like that. And I think it has to come from both sides, right? You can't like, you know, you can, it can't just be a one-sided conversation, right? Like if you are saying that you believe in equality, you actually have to put your actions where your mouth is. And I talk about that and all that stuff. And it's like, well, and I looked at the past three years of the podcast, just looking at when we hit episode 100, I was just like, we've only had, I don't know, we had, out of 100 episodes, we probably had about 10 women on, on the part. And, and some of them, some of them were not even entrepreneurship episodes necessarily. They were more, talking about personal life and stuff like that. And so I was just like, yeah, why is this? Like, I think it's just, because it's a reflection of my friendship circle, right? Like as a guy, naturally I do hang out with more men. Um, it's somewhat of a reflection of the general state of entrepreneurship in the world, but it's not really an excuse because, I mean, there are thousands in, in probably just within Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Dongwan, there are, if you combine with with Chinese women, with locals, there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of entrepreneurs. Because I mean, in China, like it's so normal to be an entrepreneur. But even within just the expat community, I'd say there's probably thousands of entrepreneurs, and I know and I know of a few hundred. So if I want to have more women on my podcast, it's just as simple as me conscientiously thinking about it doing research. And because we're in China, we're never that far away. We're never that far removed from anybody. And like I recently had Daniela Santana um, on the podcast and she is somebody that I know through Michael Michelini. So it was like, well, 
and I've met her before at the cross-border summit, but I didn't necessarily have her contact information. So it was like, okay, how do I get in contact with this person? Contact Michael Michelini. Michael Michelini makes an introduction. And then, you you know, a week later, we're jumping on a podcast. So, yeah, I just like, that's been something that I've been trying to do more and obviously continue to do more. Because, um, yeah, I think it's just good to have people from different perspectives and different backgrounds. And again, going back to the equality conversation, you kind of have to put your your money where your mouth is, right? Um, so, yeah, I think this episode's interesting just because it, it is a different different topic. Um I think what tends to happen as well is as your business grows, as you get more into entrepreneurship and stuff like that, like in the years and years, your perspective on life changes, like the things that you care about change. Obviously in my business, even within my business itself, I'm less doing the day-to-day operations. So I care more about things like the general direction of where the company is going and is everybody fulfilled, is you know, what are the next steps? How do you go from being a six-figure company to a seven-figure company? Where can we invest our money in? What kind of high-level strategic things, strategic partnerships can we have? Like cross-promotions. Like So it's just, it's, an, it's almost like a natural progression that I would start to think about corporate wellness. And then as life is, when you start to think about something, you put it out into the universe and you talk about it and you you end up, you know, meeting somebody who's right down that alley. So it was a very interesting episode for me. I, I had a lot of uh, good questions and Madison is extremely, extremely um, smart and, and, and articulate. So it's like, she's kind of like, no bullshit, just every single question I had, like to the point. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of value in this episode. So uh, yeah, and this was also part of a series of interviews that I did in Hong Kong. There was Nick Zieber, there was Evan and Roe from Brutal Buddha. These episodes are already out. Uh, Madison, I interviewed Alan uh, Scanlan. It was like a sort of update episode. Um, so I was in Hong Kong for like four days before I went to the Philippines. And a part of it was getting Luke, our marketing intern, to come to, China, to, uh, to Hong Kong because he'd never been. Um, introducing him to a bunch of cool people, but also I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, part of the internship was all about marketing and, and content creation. So we wanted to bang out a significant amount of interviews within a short space of time before we went to the Philippines. Um, and a cool thing that happened as well was Luke, in the process of meeting Nick Zieber, ended up, I'd been telling Luke he should start a mastermind, he ended up meeting Nick Zieber's intern, who was uh, like Nick Zieber's cousin's, uh, Nick Zebra's best friend's like little cousin uh, who happened to be in Hong Kong for a small little internship and uh, they started a mastermind group together. So Nick, like Luke, uh, Nick Zebra's cousin, Nick Zebra's intern um, and uh, his name is Dylan and um, Vincent, our sales guy, all started a, a mastermind together. So I feel like that that was a, just a cool little thing that popped up from from the trip to Hong Kong. Um yeah, and, and so just keep in mind, this is also a video cast. So if you want to see where Madison and I were hanging out, we're hanging out in a, in a park in, in Hong Kong, which was a pretty nice little, uh, interesting little park of some older Chinese, older Hong Kongese people doing um, Tai Chi and stuff like that. So check out the video cast on YouTube. Enjoy. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me.
What's up, YouTube? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFine Asia, host of the Made in China podcast and the host of the SourceFine Asia YouTube channel. Back with another one. I'm hanging out in Hong Kong and I'm sitting, sitting right next to Madison. Could Hello. you please uh, give a little introduction about yourself? Sure. It's always a little bit awkward to introduce myself, but <laughs> we'll give it a go. Um, hi, I'm Madison Ashley. I'm originally from Florida in the U.S. and have been living in Hong Kong for nearly four years now. I happened um, sort of by accident uh, onto entrepreneurship uh, when I met a woman who is getting started with a corporate wellness company in Hong Kong, promoting health and well-being and also spirituality in the workplace. And so that company is called Balance Potential. I've been growing and managing that company for three years now. And now I've expanded into yoga teaching, as well as co-founding an event series in Hong Kong that focuses on conscious leadership. Okay. All right. So first question, if you meet somebody, I hope it doesn't start raining. Yeah. But if you meet somebody outside of Hong Kong, outside of Asia in general, and they ask you the question, what do you do? How do you normally answer that question? I tell them that I am managing and building a workplace wellness company to uh, inspire people and support people in living healthier lives, both at work and outside of work. And that I am also um, working or growing as a yoga teacher. Basically, my personal mission is to support people and inspire them to live a life of authenticity and to connect with their inner peace. And I have a few different channels that I'm, I'm working towards that mission through. Cool. Yeah. So you said you came here four years ago and then you kind of stumbled upon entrepreneurship. So what brought you to Hong Kong in the first place? So it was love that brought me out here. Um, Evan, my partner, whom you know, he was, we actually met at work at a company called Gartner. And when we met and when we started dating, he was actively pursuing opportunities in Asia. And he uh, landed an opportunity. So we did long distance for nearly a year. And then the plan was that I would join him out here. Uh, we were originally thinking that maybe I would also move with that company that brought him to Hong Kong. However, the opportunity really wasn't there. So I came anyway. And uh, I had a little bit of a overly optimistic attitude, I think, about finding employment when I got here. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there. And it really wasn't as straightforward as I thought and hoped it would be. However, it ended up being a blessing because it gave me an opportunity to really pause and think about what do I want to do rather than just what's the first thing I can get in the way of a job. And uh, to really be intentional about it and to get more creative and resourceful about how I went about finding opportunities. So talk to me about that because I think traditionally, uh, when I, whenever I think of people that move to Hong Kong uh, early days and stuff like that, it's always like they have a job and then they move to Hong Kong. Yeah. I don't know that many people that have been to Hong Kong that came and figured it out. Yeah. So talk to me about the early days. What, what were you doing? What, how did you start to get your first opportunities here and stuff like that? So it was uh, a value add to have Evan here for 10 months prior to uh, my arrival because he, of course, was well established at that point with his work and also his friends and his network. He's um, very great at building a network. So, um, you know, he was very supportive in connecting me with people that he had met who he thought maybe there would be some synergy between us. Um, it ended up being um, 
his best friends, who are all the, part of the Brink team, that uh, I felt most connected with in terms of what I wanted to do when I first got to Hong Kong. So this was, again, almost four years ago, and Brink was still in their early days, I think one to two years old. And they were launching an inaugural IoT summit called Launch, and I wanted to get more into events and marketing. So I connected with Mickey, who was head of events at that time, and decided that, well, at least as a starting point, I'll work with Mickey and support the Brink team with this conference um, in terms of event production and marketing. Uh, but that was always going to be a short-term thing. So that was really just something to get my foot into the door in terms of um, establishing myself, making my own connections in Hong Kong. And then once the conference was over, it was kind of back to the drawing board. Uh, and then a girlfriend of mine had sent me away uh, with a book that was all about finding and following your passion. And one key insight that I took away from that book was if you don't know what you want to do, uh, one potential way to just get started, take one step in a, in a direction of finding and following your passion is to choose an industry. And that really resonated with me and I felt that health and wellness was an industry that I've always felt personally interested and passionate in. And why not explore it from a professional standpoint? By any chance did you ever, you, you met Carl, right? Like, yeah. yeah. By any chance did you ever tell Carl about that book? So that sounds like, I remember having a conversation with Carl and he just come back from Hong Kong. Yeah. And he was he mentioned something quite similar to what Oh, really? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I did. I mentioned it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, naturally it comes up when I'm telling my story about Hong Kong and how I got into the work that I'm doing now. And then anyone who is also going through their own um, soul searching or really uncertain time, I'll recommend that book. So maybe. Cool. Yeah. Um, so when did you meet the founders of Balance Potential? So about a month after, it was about a month after I finished up with Brink. And during that time, again, I read the book. I decided, okay, I'm gonna hone my job search to health and wellness. So that allowed me to get very um, more pointed in my job hunt. And I was scouring the internet for different health and wellness companies, individuals, Again, just to have conversations, you know, and explore opportunities or see where it might lead me. And then I found Balance Health, which is a holistic wellness center in Hong Kong that does a lot of um, natural medicine, body therapy, and mind-body medicine. Um, and I really liked everything that I was, I was getting from their website, uh, how they presented themselves, how they communicated their values. So I connected with the woman who um, owned and managed Balance Health. And... Again, just had an exploratory conversation and she told me a few different areas that they were open to having additional support in. And one of them was this corporate wellness brand that she was um, just getting started with um, that was originally an extension of Balance Health. And then when I joined her team, I really internalized this project and initiative as though it were my own and really wanted to build it into something meaningful and substantial more than just an arm of this clinic. Uh, so I joined her about six months into the process and now it's been a little bit more than three years. What, um, I guess, what did they identify as like the main issues with corporate wellness and stuff like that in mm -hmm. Hong Kong? Yeah, I mean, burnout. Yeah. Uh, I think it's something that we can all relate to globally that um, 
87% of the workforce of people who are employed don't feel fulfilled in their work. And if you don't feel fulfilled, if you don't feel that sense of purpose or that you're cared for, then you're not going to be satisfied or have a healthy mindset in all areas of your life. So burnout is a very real, um, even crisis, we might say, around the world, and especially in Hong Kong, where there's this work hard, play hard mentality. People go into work early, they stay late, and they don't really take the time for themselves to rest and recuperate. So um, burnout, and then by extension, mental health, um, I would say those are the top two issues. And then there's also a physical aspect to the health and wellness equation or crisis at work. And that's because uh, we sit all day. You know, we, most of us are knowledge workers at this point. So we sit at a desk from 9 to 6 p.m. Uh, plus, And we don't, we get so immersed in our work that we forget to take those breaks to even go to the bathroom, to get water, uh, just to move. So also sitting in, in the chronic pain that can arise from a sedentary lifestyle. So what do you, when you, I guess typically what happens is a company identify you guys and approach you first, or do you, you meet somebody and decide like maybe these guys would be suited for our program? A little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, so Hong Kong is definitely a networking based place. So I try to attend as many events as I can that are both relevant to my field, but also that uh, I know my target audience will be at, even if it's not specifically health and wellness related, um, and then start conversations. It just leads to a warmer relationship, more rapport. Uh, but oftentimes we will get inquiries as well from companies who are looking to organize lunch and learns for their staff or maybe in-office yoga, tai chi. Uh, so on that note, when we do get these inquiries, I have to say that it's very surface layer in terms of what the companies are looking for. They haven't really thought well, they, about They probably this. don't even know, really, like they just kind of want to add, give some added value. Exactly. It's kind of ticking a box. Yeah. I mean, it's like all the all the rave of, of workplace wellness and burnout prevention. So, I mean, it's not to discount where companies are at and what they're doing. You know, every, every action, every... Um, step is is a positive one. However, there is a more, I mean, it's like the iceberg, you know, like they're just kind of scratching the surface um, and there's really these um, much chunkier issues at the, the heart of the matter. And I think that, you know, Balanced Potential is really wanting to support people, support organizations with where they're at. So we will cater to the lunch and learns and the in-office massage and meditations. Uh, while also educating them that, you know, let's think about this strategically and long term and how can you really support individuals in transforming their behaviors and ultimately transforming their, their well-being and their happiness, again, both at work and outside of work. What, uh, I guess, what are some good examples of situations that you went into where they didn't even know what the issues were and then you came up with... Uh, you gave them a tailored program and then they, the results were super beneficial at the end. So we worked with one company who knew they wanted to invest in an annual program for their staff and they were open to our input of like what's most popular, what do you see the highest levels of engagement with. So we put together a program that was a combination of the lunch and learns because the lunch and learns are um, a key part of the equation in that they can establish a baseline understanding to a larger group of people around a certain topic. Um, but then, you know, it's not really going to 
affect much change necessarily in the person's life. You know, just sitting in a 60-minute workshop, hearing about how to eat healthier, how to incorporate more movement throughout your day. Um, so then we want to follow it up with a more individualized consultation, um, a private session where people can do a deeper dive into specific questions or challenges that they have in their own life um, that are related to that issue. So we found that to be really effective um, at, for the company. Um, we took a holistic approach. So some of the lunch and learns and consultations were focused on um, sleep health. Others were focused on um, how to prevent like seasonal illness, um, so like immunity. And then others were focused more on musculoskeletal health and stress management. And then through those, those events, we, um, we administered surveys to get feedback from the participants on how, um, how insightful the sessions were. Did it, did it resonate? Did it benefit them? How did they feel before versus after? And then also asking them what other topics would you be interested in? So starting to get some of that, um, those, those data-driven insights for the company to know, okay, well, next time around, maybe we offer um, more um, musculoskeletal health programs because that's what people are interested in. So um, it's, for me, this is going to be a selfish question. Sure. Um, so my, my team is comprised mostly of Chinese people, mainland Chinese people, and we have about four people, two that work in Guangzhou and then two that work in northern China. Mm. I also have two employees in the Philippines and recently onboarded Luke and, and Vincent. Um, so we have like a kind of multinational team, a little bit spread out. What sort of little pieces of advice would you give me? Because I'm actually in the process of trying to build like um, the company culture and yeah. uh, even for example, we're going to do this offsite in the Philippines. So I want to bring everybody to the Philippines. And, you know, even though we're remote, I still want us to be a team. I want people to feel uh, balanced in their work and their life. Yeah, and totally. Like that. So that, that's awesome. It's a really exciting time for you because culture is so important. I mean, and that's why Balance Potential and my work as an individual has transformed or evolved out of just this wellness programming and more into leadership and organizational culture, mm -hmm. um, which wellness is a part of. But rather than making it this, you know, program that's running, you know, as one employee benefit, how do you bake it into the, the culture and make this a core value yeah. of, the, of the company or the organization? And that really comes down to leadership style. So, you know, how do you lead? How do you inspire and motivate your team? How do you engage them? How do you communicate with them? Transparency and authenticity is so important for... Luke, you want to answer that question? <laughs> He's like, no comment. <laughs> he was like, cancel his flight ticket to the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but it's tough as a small team, though. Yep. I mean, there, there, as with anything, there's pros and cons. As a small team, you really have a lot of control and influence, each one of you, uh, on what that culture and the direction of the company will be. So you have a lot less red tape, a lot less hierarchy to have to navigate through. Um, but you also have probably limited resources. So you have to be more creative about how you go about creating that culture and promoting well-being. Uh, so I think that uh, one key value or key element of promoting a human-centric workplace where everyone feels supported, they feel engaged, is to make it a very co-creative process. So rather than you say, okay, this is how we're going to lead, this is how we're going to run our meetings, this is going to be the culture and the core values of our, our business, uh, rather Maybe 
starting this conversation and share what's in your mind and then seeing how that lands with everyone and then inviting input from the, the whole group of, you know, is that something that resonates with you? Do you buy into that? If not, what would you like to see as part of our core values? So really making a co-creative uh, process and then creating that common language and common understanding of, because especially with health and wellness, everyone defines health and wellness differently. Um, and it very much depends on, you know, the generation that they're from, uh, where they're at in their life, their economic, socioeconomic status. Do they have kids? You know, are they, uh, are they married? All of these factors are very influential in how a person defines and prioritizes health and wellness. So I think it's important to define um, what it means to you. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, just to shift the conversation a little bit, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I mean, obviously you can't speak for all women in entrepreneurship, but your experiences in entrepreneurship in Hong Kong or in Asia as a whole, um, how does it differ would you say from the West? Mm. So I will be honest that entrepreneurship in a official capacity was really something that I only got into when I moved to Hong Kong. So I don't know if I'll be able to speak too educatedly on the contrast between East and West for entrepreneurship, but I do feel that being out here, um, I mean, it is so dynamic. And Again, when I first got to Hong Kong, my entry point into the working realm and really just Hong Kong ecosystem was through Brink. So I was interacting with and just observing these, um, all of these entrepreneurs who were very product focused and technology focused. So, um, you know, being in Hong Kong, it's a very strategic location for product based businesses, being so close to China and Guangzhou and um, uh, you know, where they do all their manufacturing. Um, but then, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of capital in Hong Kong and, and China. So I think that you have this not only close proximity to the logistics um, side of it, but also the capital investment side of it, that there's really people who are willing and keen to invest in startups who have a um, purposeful mission and a very promising outlook. Um, So I think that, uh, you know, that alone, and then Hong Kong, it's very, even though there's seven plus million people here, there's still a very tight knit village, almost like community here. So um, no one seems out of reach. And everyone here is very, very supportive and, and willing to connect you with people that they know that would be aligned with what you're working on. So I don't think that you get that as much in the West of people being so willing and also in such close like um, degree separations from one another. I think you have a little bit probably more um, of a um, just scattered ecosystem and maybe like everyone's more for themselves. Yeah. That would be my... So would you say that part of it is because of the, en- the barrier of entry coming into Hong Kong? A lot of times if you're living here, it doesn't really matter where you're from. People just already respect you because you're here. Yeah. And if you have a specific vision, they're like, maybe I know somebody who you might be able to connect with. Do you think that's part of it? One hundred percent. I think that there's naturally that common um, connection and rapport that's instant because we're all in this amazing dynamic place that's not really our 
home for any of us, um, but we're making it our second home, and so we're all in that together. So I do think that that naturally makes everyone a little bit more communal and supportive of one another. And then I feel that um, Asia in general, I mean, it's this up-and-coming region of the world, uh, whereas the West is more established and maybe because of that more complacent so in asia everyone's like thirsty for like progress and development and changing the world and there's just that really entrepreneurial spirit in everyone to make shit happen yeah exactly. um and so they want to help people make shit happen and to make the world a better place and so i feel that for better or for worse that constant energy of like i need and want to be doing something important and meaningful for myself and for everyone what is your uh what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment to date mm. there's definitely been a few uh, i mean one that comes to my mind is when we were submitting a proposal for an rfp for a very um large organization um a technology company and i mean being a small team you know it's not like we have a team dedicated only to proposal writing. Um, and it was a very like robust RFP process. So my partner and I, um, with her husband's support and my partner Evan's support, we're all uh, collaborating and kind of dividing and conquering this proposal because it was also getting down um, to the wire. I think we got the um, RFP late or something like that. But anyway, when it came time for the, the presentation, the interview, I was in India for Mana from Brink's wedding, oh, okay. um, and there was there was no other time to take the call yeah. except the time that we were touring the Taj Mahal. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally like with the Taj Mahal yeah. like behind me, and like birds chirping and singing, like presenting to this uh, really large uh, technology company. Uh, but it made for a great story, so that was definitely a highlight. Um, I think. Also creating the Conscious Leadership Series, um, which is, again, something that I mentioned in the beginning that I've co-founded with my partner of Balanced Potential, that through our journey with promoting workplace wellness, we realized that, again, this isn't a matter of organizing wellness events and activities in the office. It's really about a, creating a culture of well-being. And as we were just talking about, a culture is, is, is created by the leadership and the policies and the um, workplace environment. So uh, we really wanted to create a movement where not just in the business development conversations, the client conversations that we are having, but how can we really engage the community to create awareness while also building a community around the idea of conscious leadership, which is leadership rooted in the concepts of self-mastery, of personal well-being, and human centricity. Before I jump into the closing questions, because I know we're limited on time, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think, again, the conscious leadership, that's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, it's a direction that I'm just getting really um, amped up and, and started in. So I am really excited. Maybe we'll do another podcast in, in a, a year's time and share where we're at with that journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for now, for now, if people want to check out those events, uh, I, you sent me a link. We'll have it in the, in the description on the YouTube channel. Yeah, for sure. So check out the link. Um, that's our website. Also, if you're interested in the conscious leadership, conscious capitalism movement, 
Um, there's the Conscious Capitalism Group, who's doing a lot of work around the world to promote conscious capitalism um, being more purpose-oriented than only profit-generating. Um, and conscious leadership is very much a part of that. And then if you'd like to keep up and with me personally, I do promote some of the conscious leadership and just individual personal well-being through my Instagram, uh, which is Remember to Breathe. Okay, nice. Um, what, what, uh, where do you see yourself in the next three to five years from a personal standpoint? Yeah, so I've only just gotten to a point in my life where like three years seems like, okay, I can actually envision three years from now. Um, three years from now, I do want to be uh, a... I want to be... Well, going back to my personal mission of inspiring people and supporting people to live a life of authenticity, joy, and peace, um, I want to be doing that and spreading um, that message and scaling my impact. So um, that's through yoga teaching, um, through the culture and leadership transformation. Um, and on that, I want to be uh, consulting with companies to, of how to create those cultures of well-being and really drive human-centric principles in the workplace. Um, I feel very passionate about the future of work Again, it's such a powerful channel for supporting people and, um, and increasing their longevity and overall um, mental health through the workplace. So changing the way that we lead people, changing the way that we expect people to show up to work and how we engage with them. So the three to five year plan, it's still clarifying, um, but it will definitely be in those areas. It's, it's probably going to change as well, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's what always happens. I just like asking that question because I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do in the next three to five years. Yeah. Um, what is the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results in business? Uh, so it's very simple, but it has been a profound change in my life of prioritizing my sleep hygiene and sleep quality. So because I work in this field of health and wellness, I have the privilege of working with numerous practitioners and subject matter experts across all dimensions of health. And one in particular, she's a sleep physiologist. Her name is Kate Bridal. And she is just a wealth of knowledge. I mean, both from a scientific um, and medical standpoint, but she also is very skilled at putting things in layman terms. Um, and sleep, I mean, we spend 30% of our adult life at work. We spend 30% of our entire lives sleeping, or we should. Um, and sleep is such a sacred time where our brain goes through a process of decluttering everything that's built up throughout the day. Um, and if we don't have that time, then over, over the course of our life, that can lead to um, dementia. Um, and so I really wanted to prioritize sleep. And in order to get quality sleep, you really need to have a consistent bedtime um, and then a consistent waking time. So I've, I've simplified this down to if I get into bed between 9.30 and 10.30 every night, then I'm setting myself up for success because I'll naturally wake up by 7 the next morning. I've gotten eight hours of sleep um, and I feel so much better, so much more energy, so much more clear. I don't need coffee like I, I used to rely on coffee. Um, so it's really been transformational. What are three books, uh, blogs, podcasts that you'd recommend people read, listen, if they wanted to understand you better? To understand me better? Um, so I'm just, I have to admit, I'm just getting into the realm of podcasts. Um, there's one that's The Knowledge Project. 
Um, and I remember uh, listening to one in particular where he was interviewing, um, I think I'm going to blank on his name. He's one of the founders of Angel's List. Angel List. Okay. Yeah, um, we could probably find the episode. And yeah. Get up anyway, um, that was a great episode um, for just life advice of how to think about work, how to think about life, um, you know, how to improve your effectiveness as a professional, as an entrepreneur, etc. I think maybe I'll spend the question a little bit um, that rather than like books or podcasts, um, maybe like things to look into is mindfulness. Um, one key principle of mindfulness is to always have a beginner's mind. And I think that this is really paramount. Um, it's been paramount in my own success. And I think that it's paramount in terms of um, unlocking creativity and innovation um, and also just continual growth as a human being. Uh, because what happens as we get older, we have all of our experiences, we have our indoctrinated beliefs, or maybe even beliefs that we've consciously decided. And the more that we accumulate in the way of beliefs and experiences, the more it filters the way we see the world. Um, and the more filtered our view of the world, the more limited our perspective. So I think that having a beginner's mind where we approach every situation, every person, every opportunity with a beginner's mind um, it's going to allow us to um, to get have a fuller experience and to grow in a in a very transformational way. Whereas if again you're looking solely through your limited perspective that's been informed through um, your your experiences and beliefs, uh, then I think that you're going to stay a little bit more fixed and stuck in your life. Okay. Um, so yeah, okay. So there's the what was the first one the, the something project uh the knowledge project, the knowledge project. Yeah. what is that podcast about in general just like uh so it, i am not a religious subscriber my impression of it is that it's um similar to tim ferris's book that he um like he put together tools of, titans. tools of titans i think it's similar to that where it's just picking the minds of um of great successful people and um and capturing and collating the, the different experiences and, and words of wisdom that they have to provide. Cool. Madison, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rico. So if you want to reach out to Madison, we'll have, uh, it's balancepotential.com. We'll have all the links up in the description on the channel. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. Um, the show notes will be at sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. And I'll check you guys out next week. Sometimes I kill myself just so I can feel like I'm so alive Just so I can feel like I'm in a moment with you And I wake up and do it all again, I forget for some night Some nights I drink with too much and I smoke just to feel like I'm in a vibe Some nights I kill myself just so I can feel like I'm too alive just so I can feel like I'm in a moment with you And I wake up and do it all again, I forget for Who the fuck needs trophies, money, feed the kids, nigga, give me that I'm not a shooter, but I promise I know just how that shit me at